Welcome to the SaaS Sales Performance Podcast, the show for anyone wanting to be on the cutting edge of SaaS tech sales. We provide the tools you need to take advantage of the rapidly changing sales environment. We bring you the leading experts on the front lines of SaaS sales and distill down our famous masterclasses into bite-sized practical tips. Your hosts will be Ash Ali and Matt Milligan. And on this podcast, we'll be helping you transform your ability to sell more so you can smash your targets. Hey everyone, and welcome to the 22nd episode of our SaaS Expert interview series. In today's episode, Matt Milligan chats to Steve Fearon, the COR of Capital Software and CEO of Capita Healthcare Decisions. Steve possesses a wealth of experience in sales and here offers fantastic insight into his career from rising through the ranks to running major European sales organizations. Steve talks the value of curiosity, shines a light on having the right motivations for success, and even shares tips for making connections on LinkedIn along the way. So, with no further ado, here are Matt Milligan and Steve Fearon. Welcome back to another episode of the SaaS Sales Performance Podcast. And one of the privileges that I have here as the host of this show is that I get to spend time with some of the most experienced sales leaders in the software world. And today's guest is no exception to that. Delighted to be joined by Steve Fearon. Steve is the CEO of Capital Software Business, as well as the health division. And Steve and I have been just catching up in recent weeks about all of the fascinating changes that have been happening in the sales space. And it's such a fast moving landscape at the moment. I mean, Steve, for those listening to this episode or or tuning in on YouTube, would you please do, do me the honors in announcing your, your latest updated title? I've got two roles in Capita. So Capita is a large business process outsourcer, well known within the UK market. One of the divisions in there is Capita Software. Capita Software has got quite a number of different brands and, and business units within it. So I'm the, the, if you like, the CRO of that, the Chief Revenue Officer across those businesses within the Capita, Capita Software. But as you also said, I am the CEO of Capita Healthcare Decisions, which is one of those software divisions and kind of companies. It is a in the health tech space. We do everything from accreditation and clinical coding right the way through to, to triage, which is a hot area at the moment. I'm a relative newbie to it. I've been for 70, 78 months in. Before that, I spent 28 years at Oracle, a large software company I'm sure many people have heard of. I know people are thinking I don't look old enough. Clearly, I joined Oracle when I was four years old. But, you know, over those 20 years, big, long journey. But I think, you know, the last three major roles that I had over the previous 15 years were running European sales organizations. But I think the most relevant and up-to-date being running Oracle Digital, which was across Europe for mid-sized organizations, the whole enterprise SaaS business. And they're really having to adapt to all the changes that are happening and you know, the change to digital sales and marketing, that whole disruption addressing that. And I thought after that period of being successful there, I'd go and take it to a different culture, a different company, because transformation in sales and marketing is happening across, across it. So yeah, that's a bit of my potted intro and background. Looking forward to jumping into some of those stages of your journey, Steve. You've been in the sales game now for, for a long, long time. And you know we're talking here about Doc, you know, dot com boom, and you've seen different phases in the evolution of software sales. I mean, for the listeners who I guess are you know sales leaders, relatively new sales leaders, mm-hmm. and and perhaps haven't been around as long and don't have as many battle scars as you do and experiences to talk about, like how just put into context for us the last twelve months and how does that play out in terms of what you've seen over throughout your career? You know, how pivotal is this moment in software sales? 
Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, thanks, man. I think I don't think that makes me feel too old being a veteran and that sort of stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. There's plenty of scars, that's for sure. I think if you take the last twelve months or so, the whole COVID, the whole lockdown, I think the world acceptance of the digital, of the remote, of the of the virtual has really sped up. It was heading that way, but it's definitely definitely head up. But it's not just a case of we do things on Teams or Zoom. It's it's much more fundamental than that. And I think really what's more important than ever is really understanding the buyer and the buyer behavior changes. So sales is not about us, it's about them. And it's understanding their changes is really key. So, you know, as I said, it's accelerated the whole smack disruption. So smack, social, mobile, AI, cloud, that whole disruption that we've all been living through and accelerated really has had a massive impact on our consu- us as consumers, but also in the B2B world, dramatic, dramatic cha- changes. So for me, with that sort of digital disruption, we have to digitally adapt. And I see organizations doing that. I also see organizations who are just arguably in denial. I think for me, it really starts with, as I said, understanding the buyer and the buyer journey. You know, because of that smack disruption, buyers' behaviors have completely changed. They don't need to go through salespeople. You know, the classic quotes from Gartner or whatever, that 70, 80% of the sales cycle has happened before salesperson involved. Absolutely. But if you look at the buyer's journey, or if you look at serious decisions, Gartner's, it's got the buyer going through that from the unaware phase to an aware phase, to then considering solutions, to then implement, adopting, and realizing benefits. And arguably, that's a constant you know, infinity, infinity loop. And I think where our opportunity lies as sales and together with marketing, which I think we should come back on and go into a bit more detail, we can be a part of those conversations that we arguably weren't part of before. The days of RFP waiting and responses that are gone, you have to be engaged in that unaware to aware parts of the conversation. And also knowing that access to this information has changed the buyer group. So it's no longer about really, here's a decision maker and a recommender. You know, buyer groups have got more members in it. And obviously, depending on the size of transactions, there's more people involved in it than ever. So that covering those people off is really, really, really important. But the technology allows you to do it. It's a fascinating time for sure. Like I was speaking to a client yesterday about the fact, you know, if you've onboarded into a sales organization in the last 12 months, you may have closed deals with clients whom you may not have met and are unlikely to have met. We've caught up before talking about, you know, getting on the golf course and a lot of those kind of elements of relationship building have been put on ice for the last 12 months. I mean, how have you found that shift? You know, obviously moving into a new role during the pandemic as well and and that shift to fully remote, how's that been for you? I think obviously I've onboarded into a new company where I've never met anybody other than team. So I have no idea if people are seven foot tall or three foot two. No, no, no idea. I think what it's allowed me to do is meet a lot more people because you're not traveling around so much, but the depth may not be there as much as you'd want. Obviously looking at it from the sales side, but if you also look at it as the sales leader side, it's really important how you engage with your people because your people aren't in an office or a hub. They may be not well set up at home wherever they're working. So, that people leadership is really important. How you check in, how you have your stand-ups, how you organize your week, how you support and challenge your reps, managers to, to really drive forward. A lot, of th- a lot of things have had to change there. Ignoring and denial is not the right answer. You have to have those open conversations. There's two aspects to that. One, if you're being part of a team and it's established that would probably be easier, but with so many people are moving around, 
opportunity is out there. It's important to understand that, you know, don't take things for granted. Have that time in the diary to make sure that the team, you know, what we would have done in sales meetings or get-togethers, you know, you're still allocating time for some of that headspace and, you know, treat everybody individually. Yeah, absolutely. It does feel, and you spoke there at the beginning of our conversation around where you see the kind of future headed, more complex buyer life cycles. Sales reps have really got their work cut out to stay on top of all that, you know, multiple stakeholders. How do you then still build the trust when you can't look someone in the white of the eyes? And have you seen that play out across teams that you've been in charge of the last 12 months? Any advice for listeners around ways that you can support and I think I'd answer it with two hats on. I think you asked a question earlier, maybe about the, the sales leader, the audience's sales leaderships. Uh, there's also questions about the sales reps themselves. I think let's take it from the, maybe the sales leadership. It still is as important as ever to understand your propositions, right? So what is you're taking to market? What are you responsible for as a sales leader? And really understanding your TAM, SAM, SOM. So for those who don't Google that, if you haven't heard of it, but TAM is your total addressable market. SAM is your service achievable market and SOM SOM is your service obtainable market. Clearly a bit of a mouthful, but basically you're saying, what's the total market we play in globally, wherever territory, whatever segment you want to look at, then right, what is the segments we are actually relevant for? And then what's our cut we could have of that? So that organization is key. I think then when you look at the organizational structure, how do we go to market with this? What is it? What, what is your approach to the territory management are you splitting classically within new growth, renewal, expansion? Do you have people out hunting for new business, people out doing the renewals or expansion, how they link in with customer success? And so by having that right resource, you know, is your proposition a direct sales model? Is it an indirect channel approach, partnership model, whatever? Those are pretty fundamental, big, how you, how you structure the sales org. And I think the last 12 months have meant you really should have been considering the old ways don't quite work. And you know, how mm-hmm. can I tweak and, and adapt arguably for those? So I think that's at the sort of sales leader because that will then help the clarity of what the objective is for each individual rep or individual teams. And that clarity is more important than ever. Then if you take it back into the reps or the teams themselves, I think understanding in your relevant SOM, understanding the buyer, and it's really, really key. So starting from where they are, not where you are, is really, really important because that's the biggest thing that's shifted arguably over the last, it's accelerated in the last year, but I think this is definitely the last number of years and that's the adaption we've done. I'd say if you understand your buyer and the, the group, obviously when I say buyer, I'm talking about the buyers, the individual and the groups. I'll come back to engagement in a second. What pains have they got? When they're in unaware mode, they may not be aware of a regulation that's coming that needs a change. They may not be aware of a, an opportunity, a cost cut, whatever it is. It's, you should be engaging in that. Likewise, when they are aware of that, they're in a different mindset. They're preparing maybe a business case. They're trying to solve it. Then they're into considering solutions. Again, your language is going to change. So understanding where the buyer is, is more important to where you are and crucial to understand. Mapping that out is really key. More important than ever is the bond between sales and marketing is stronger again, or should be stronger now because marketing at this digital adaption sooner ahead of sales so they have strong MarTech stacks on this to be able to do that. So it's really important that we're joined up more than ever. That covers everything for what are the assets that are needed to help engage on an unaware or the aware or whatever. What is that content? What's the form factor within it? Marketing are very knowledgeable in this space and sales should be really engaged with that. And it's always around the so what, who cares and what's in it for them. 
coming to your question about how do we engage? Well, you know, social is a really key and important thing, but people do it so wrong. It's not pitching. It's actually connecting for conversations. So if you can arguably drive inbound towards you as a rep because of the nature of what you're posting, who you're connected with. I always use the analogy of when we used to have house parties, when we could go to everybody's house, right? All great house parties would gravitate into the kitchen, be chatting, talking, drinking in there, whatever in there. And then somebody walks in and starts talking to them about themselves, disrupts the conversation. What does everybody do? Walk out the door. And that's what people are doing in social. So engaging, connecting for conversations. And for that, you need content, you need opinion, you need to be connecting. But the more you can build that up, the more things will draw to you. And then it becomes an easier conversation. We think of the days of cold calling. Blimey, you know, that doesn't mean anything to a lot of it. Cold emailing maybe now is going to be a waste. Doing the research, there's so much information out there about a buyer, of what they're interested in. Things that you can do as hook statements making those little connections are really key the information's out there it's using it i think people just rush to pitch and that's the wrong answer amazing there's so many golden nuggets in there steve so what i took away from that as a sales leader really about getting your strategy and your structure your team structure set up in the right way to then make it easier for your sellers to focus on the engagement piece that you've been talking about and for the aes and the reps listening out there some key golden nuggets around just how to engage properly, leading with value as opposed to speaking about yourself and your solution. I imagine that you as a, as a senior leader on LinkedIn, I mean, you must get bombarded with inbounds and any kind of tips for, for reps yeah. listening to this in terms of what works for you? Blimey. You know, I've seen everything. You'll say that and then something else comes around and surprises you. I'll answer that probably with two hats on. So I'll say it as a sales leader but also as a you know, CEO, right? So as a CEO, I have a lot of things on my plate. The CEO has the people at its heart, finance issues, goals to achieve, product developments, implementation, customer projects, cash flow to worry about, you know, has to sell, has to set a strategy, get that strategy and execute, et cetera. More importantly, I also don't know all the answers. So yeah, I need to hear stimulant from outside, whether it's a vendor, whether it's an opinion, whatever. I need to find more info out. But in either forms of the two roles, I get a lot of requests for connections. I will connect because I might find something to learn because the more your network, the more diverse your thinking process. I'll get all sorts of interest. Yeah, we're in the same network or see we're in like this. You connect. I'd say probably 90% of those within one to 24 hours have hit me with a sales pitch straight away afterwards. I'm not interested. You've just done the kitchen thing. Actually on LinkedIn, my title doesn't give my title, it says, I used to be really good at chess. What does that mean? All right, I'm giving you a hook to make it easier to engage in a conversation. It's about connecting for conversation. And I think the other 10%, I'd say, maybe 1% of that is doing that connection for a conversation or inquiring or, or whatever. The rest of them are actually giving me some gifts, which may or may not be of value. And I think with that, it's also an acknowledgement. It's um, no, not now is very different to the no. But I need educated. I just don't need sales pitch straight away. One in a thousand of those will ping when I just happen to have that particular issue and project going. But that's not what we need to do. We need to be nurturing that much, much more. Absolutely love that. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. 90% is a quite a shocking statistic, really. If you think of all the effort that's been put in to outbounds and just taking your time to do your research and add value. 
Absolutely. You know, what you've just said, Emma, is exactly it. Do the research, right? You don't have to be correct because you're not inside the company. You're not inside my head or the virus head, but you have to find the resonance. You don't have to have all the answers. You have to have done enough to figure it out. And by the way, you can spot cut and pastes or meal merges a mile away. Even if you're a rep, you should be the CEO of your own territory, right? And you yeah. should be planning that, that out. Doing that research, getting it, understand disk profiling. You know, what is the style in your dominant? It, it's one way to do a mapping and understand what the other person might be like. Yeah, think about that. Think about it from an ABM perspective. If you're concentrating on a large account or account based marketing, knowing those individual people is really quite clear. Doesn't matter that you're not going to get them all right, but you're also going to give me something. You're going to educate me. You're going to make me aware of something that's actually quite possible or I'm not aware of. So you don't just throw that in. It's about trying to get the connection. I get about 50 a week connections and requests. I'll go through waves of accepting or not, but unless if somebody hit me right between the eyes with a good connection and a hook, I'm there. But remember, yeah, it's not about you. It's about them. That's the one thing to always remember. There's so many automation tools out there now, and you're right with the kind of mail merge automation that you see on LinkedIn. One, one technique that I've actually applied and a couple of my team have started doing now as well on LinkedIn, you can actually change your first name to an emoji. I'm a big golf fan, as a lot of people know. My emoji is yeah. a golf flag in a green. Straight away, if someone reaches out to me as a high golf flag, I know that I'm just being spammed, essentially. So it's quite a good filter for that. Also, it's a nice little hook. You're giving a salesperson a clue. Hey, what's the golf flag thing? Sales is not an engine. Sales is a performance game. You have to be on the performance. It's not just a robotic thing. It's performance. And you've got these hooks. We're insecure. We're actually, a lot of us are insecure. Everybody thinks we're big, confident people, but actually we're relatively shy and relatively insecure. But curiosity, I didn't mention the word curiosity. Curiosity is also a good thing within those connections. It makes a lot of sense. And just going back to the sales leadership piece, I think there's some amazing insights there for reps listening, but Going back to the sales leader piece, you know, you spoke about getting that structure, right? You spoke about the importance of marketing, really being that ally and that supporter across the sales process. A lot of sales leaders that we're working with at the moment, Steve, you know, they've been in a sales leadership position for not that long, but they're looking ahead to the next stage of their career. You know, you've made that transition from sales leadership to full P&L responsibility and CEO role be super interesting just to dig into that for five minutes mm. if you may and talk us through that transition i mean because it is a slightly different role there's unique responsibilities and how's that been yeah. well that's a potted history of a long year so i don't know if i try and sort of distill it into nuggets i think what you're describing there a little bit is how you rise up the ranks if you like and i think what everybody needs to know is understand their own motivation and you might not know it, but as long as you're conscious of it. So is it money? So you think I have to be a sales manager or a sales VP, or you think there's more money? It potentially isn't. It can be a different spread. You know, is it the status and the title that you want? Or do you have to have a different business acumen? You know, is it more interest in the business? Not necessarily it's the sales side, but more in there. Or is it about actually you're one of those sales reps, you're relatively average, but actually is the one in the team that everybody likes to go to and is the helping others type thing and you actually care about others. So it's important to understand what the motivation is because there are an awful lot of very rich, very, very successful individual contributors and have done that. And that's okay. It's about understanding where, where you'd want to be. In terms of every sort of leap that I got, it wasn't really about me. It was about the hiring manager. Somebody saw something in me that they placed a bet on. 
So actually, it wasn't my ability. It was actually they had a need and they were able to place a bet on me. So arguably, I'm talking about going from rep to first manager or to another team or whatever that is. Somebody has a need and they're going to place a bet on you. So therefore, are you bettable? So are you making yourself horrible? Are you displaying through the positive, your own positive lens what you have to offer? It's arguably sometimes a sales campaign internally as well or in the network to go and do. I'm being conscious of that. I think being curious about the pain that the person above might have or the person who needs to hire you might have is really, really powerful. And I think that's the thing. In terms of this upper sales leader level, I think I'm seeing a lot of, I don't know how to describe it. I think there's a difference between a sales manager and obviously sales leader and director level and a CRO. And CRO, chief revenue officers are becoming, it's, it's tending towards like definitely in SaaS and B2B type world. So what does that mean? If you're a rep that says, well, I'm going to pay to that, so I'm not going to do it. That's not necessarily what the CRO needs to think. So I have to look at, for example, where the business is, right? We have a profit target to hit. That translates then into a revenue and cost. So we know revenue that will come in from the order book, if you like, from everything that's previously sold. You then have a gap of what you need to create in that year. That year revenue will come from renewals. It'll come from growth expansions. It'll come from new. You have to have that acumen around that. Just think, oh yeah, I'm only paid on new business, so I don't care. The more you can see the bigger picture, the sales leader is going more around CRO and it's understanding that. That does link into customer success. It links into rates in a different area. So that business acumen side of things is important. I think what I try to do with some of my sales directors is think of being a CRO, thinking of it, looking at it from the whole business perspective. And it actually will help with your structure. It'll help you with your organizational design, help you with your priorities. Really interesting. It sounds like it's a bit of a graduation, Steve, in terms of, you know, when you're early in your sales leadership career, it's much more around hitting target, hitting the number and all about top line. And then it sounds like as you mature into that CRO mindset, you've got to be thinking about retention. You've got to be thinking about not just new logos, but keeping the bucket from leaking and keeping your CAC down as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I don't think there's a linear line. I did not set out 20 odd years ago or whatever, here's where I'm going to be. Right? The world has evolved. There's a new generation of workforce coming in. Obviously, the technology and commercial shifts you know, with the likes of SaaS is different. There are all sorts of different commercial models. When I was first selling, you, you, know, you sold something, you got a CD. That was it, you know, to implement the stuff. So it's very different. But I think because the rapid change is always going to be there, having that change mindset is important. I know everybody says, oh, yeah, I've got to change mindset. Mm. Just curiosity and knowing that there will be a bit of grayness and ambiguity, there will things that will change. You know, I don't know what I'm going to be doing in five years' time. I don't know, but I know it'll be slightly different again, and it'll be learning some new things. It'll be picking up from other talent that's come through. Having time in a, in a week, in a month in your life to be looking for that future, looking at new, better ways of doing it rather than just constantly being in a particular zone of just operational stuff. You have to give yourself the space to allow yourself to grow. Absolutely. And it sounds like it's a mindset. And most importantly, you started with why, you know, why do you want to do this? So. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of, I've come across a lot of people. Yeah. I just want to get promoted. Why? Because I think I get more money or whatever, you know, not yeah. really getting to the, to the core. This is something you evolve with. every day is a school day. So you're always learning. And if you're always learning, that's, that's okay. Yeah, and I absolutely love that philosophy, that growth mindset, that lifelong learning approach. And as Einstein said, the day that you stop learning is the day you start dying, which I think sums it up well. Yeah, very true. 
we're coming towards the end of our conversation here, Steve, and I could spend all afternoon here talking with you about the future of sales and, and leadership roles. Steve, you mentioned at the top of the call where people can find out more. You're Steve Fearon on LinkedIn. If you wouldn't mind just sharing again your Twitter handle and where people can yes. find out more about you or your role at Capita. Yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn. As I said, I think Stephen Fearon's the round, but just find me. Fearon's a relatively rare enough surname. Twitter handle is at S Fearon. Quite straightforward. I got in early on that one. Amazing. Steve, thanks so much for the time. And look thanks for having me, Matt. Doing it again. Cheers, Steve. Right, cheers. Thanks, everybody. By uncovering blind spots on performance, motivation, and skills. UHubs helps busy sales leaders at top SaaS companies to optimize their sales enablements so that they can develop reps and grow revenue. The UHubs Pulse platform visualizes each team's development needs, personalized upskilling, and provides data-driven coaching recommendations. These save sales managers 40 plus hours per quarter and help reps to ramp up 30% faster. Supercharge your sales team by booking a demo today.